0: Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will, ni- will neither sleep, slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from, from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Evelyn. Well, good morning again. Uh, we didn't get a chance to do this, but could you do it now? Could you just turn to some next to you and give them a... Fist bop or a wave if you feel uncomfortable and just say, hey, it's good to see you. And those at home, um, we switched over to YouTube starting today, and I see that it's, it is streaming, so hopefully they'll be able to check in. And um, yeah, we're, we're just evolving in our technology. Well, let me begin by saying you can't really tell who are true Christians and who are false Christians or non-Christians overtly. There's, there's nothing that we, we have an indicator that says, oh, a true Christian, you know, his name or her name's written in the book of life. And so Jesus gives a few characteristics of those who are his followers and those who are false. But one way we can tell, you know, those who really trust in God and who have faith in Christ is the way they look at suffering. The way they look at suffering is very different for those who live with trust in God and those who trust only in themselves. So for example, for those who rely only on themselves, suffering is the enemy. It keeps them. It hinders them. It disappoints them. And they shield their life. And they live. If I have all the money in the world, if I have all the power in the world, I can minimize suffering. I don't want to suffer. And so they run from suffering. They, they get glum and disappointed in suffering. But the people of God, it's not that we enjoy suffering. It's not that people of God, that trust in God, relish suffering. But all through the Old Testament and New Testament, the way they view suffering is a little different. The way they view suffering is, this is a time that I could lean into God. This suffering is causing me to draw closer to God. In fact, they rejoice sometimes in suffering. This is God whom I trust. God who is good. He is transforming and doing something great even now. So suffering is not something we we pray against. And one day there will be no more suffering. But in suffering for those who trust God, it is a chance to even find joy and peace. You can't do that when you trust in yourself. So James chapter 1 verse 2 says, so consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. Why? Why would he say that? Because God is good. God is trustworthy. God is with his people. And so I saw this quote uh, this week from Tim Keller. He He says, if you build your life on God, suffering will drive you deeper into the source of your joy. So suffering draws us closer to God. It it makes you intimate. It makes you realize God is your refuge. And so in a world where I don't know if I want to pray, Lord, take away all suffering, because I don't trust myself. I think I'll be too dependent on myself. I don't think I will need God. I'm having a good life. Everyone's happy around me. And so think about all the good things in your life. Think about your accomplishments. Accomplishments. Think about the children you have, think about the house you own or the, the shelter you had, the food you have. Every good thing in your life that you've accomplished over years, isn't it true? You actually had to go through suffering. Suffering is the prerequisite to anything glorious. I, I've only been with my kids at their birth for once for my Michelle. I missed Jamie and Ethan because they decided to come at a time that was That was, I was at home, they came fast. But even in childbirth, you realize, oh my goodness, there's this contrast of suffering and then this great joy of birth, hearing that baby cry. And so what distinguishes these type of people, there's two kinds of people, ones who trust in God and ones who trust only in themselves. And the ones who depend on God have an enormous advantage. Even in suffering, here it is. God is their helper. God is the one in whom they trust to lead them through suffering. I can't be an atheist. I don't think I have enough faith to be an atheist. But we have a real living God who calls us together. So we're at Psalm 121, 1 through 8. And this, this is the first of second of 15 psalms grouped together called the Psalm of Ascent. Songs of Ascent. And it sounds like ascent growing up because it's 15 psalms of worship as people pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. And it starts with this word. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And so as they're pilgrimaging, this is actual hills and mountains of Jerusalem. And so can you imagine they're, they're on their journey to pilgrimage back to their homeland, and they see these hills daytime and nighttime. And sometimes when you look at this, It almost looks like west ridge (laughs) las coyote hills when you look at this i think there's two types of feelings you can have one is boy this is a place of danger this is where bandits roam this is where robbers come and when jesus gave his parable about the good samaritan these robbers came down and and beat up this man and so these are the places where in pagan culture where the false gods lie in korea there are so many horror stories about mountaintops at nighttime and, and these ghosts and evil spirits. So it's like almost every culture, they look at mountains in both this awe and, and also this fear. But I think this psalmist, he's looking at it in two ways. One is majestic, one is beautiful, the other one is ominous. Which one is it? When you look at it majestically, you, he it reminds him of God who is, you know, sits in Zion the house and the place of God. And so the clue here is, how does he view this? It's in the words, the lifting his eyes in Hebrew implies lifting his eyes, eagerly longing to see. That tells us, what is he longing to see? He looks at the hills and he longs to see a helper. He longs for God. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help? come from. Uh, say amen if you ever needed help in your life. So you've needed help, some of you will need help, and some of you right now are in a position where you need help. As the great theologians Beatles sang, oh I get by with a little help from my friends, mm, I get high with a little help from my friends, oh I'm gonna try with a little help from my friends, and that song is about we all need help. We all have we are people who can't do life on their own. And so some of us right now in the inflation economy with health, with news, we need help with finances. S- there's a lot of us around us that need help with health. They have health issues. Some of us, we need help with relationships. Some, right now there's an epidemic. Young people are going through a tidal wave of depression and anxiety. We all need help. And the silly part is to say, I don't need any help. The silly part is for us to believe, you know, I can do this with my own. I don't don't need to ask. Or I don't want to inconvenience them. I hear that a lot, by the way. Why didn't you ask for help? I didn't want to burden anybody. But isn't that why God gave us a church? Isn't that why God gave us friends? And so instead of going to help, we run away. And it's so silly. And we need to acknowledge that even if you're not a Christian, it's always good to have awareness that I'm in a place where I need help. I need a place where I can't do this on my own. So the question comes to us in Psalm 121, Friends, where does your help come from? And some of you are saying, well, the person next to me right here, they've been my help. That's cool if you have that. Well, I look at my, my checkbook, checking account. I have a lot of money. I don't need any help. But even in those outlooks, your friends don't last forever. Money comes and goes. In the journey of life, who is your ultimate helper? So Psalm 121 is written by a psalmist. We don't know if it's David, Solomon, or a mystery writer. They don't think it's David or Solomon. And he gives us the answer. Let me tell you where I get my helper. He says, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And little kids may and say, oh, that comes from God. And that's a good answer. For adults, before we say just simply God is my helper, let's slow down a bit. The psalmist writes, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He is specifically declaring something that we need to be aware. Of. He's not just a God amongst many gods that I go to. Like here's a variety of gods. It's like go to 7-Eleven, you see a variety of Slurpees. Which Slurpee do you want? The psalmist is not saying God is one of many gods. He's saying he is the one true God who created the heavens and the earth. There's no one else. He is the Lord. God alone, this God is my helper. Wow. So the Psalm 121, the psalmist gives two names to the psalm in eight verses. And the two names and I didn't work it out with Kevin, but Kevin's song was so fitting because God has a thousand names, truly. In Psalm 121, God has given two names. The first name, God is the helper. The second name, God is the keeper. And when you put helper and keeper together, what it's communicating is God is a God who watches over us and protects us. Because we are his people. God is a God who watches over us and protects us. Because we are his people. So let's look at this. Verse 1 and 2, God is a helper. Verse 3, let's read this together. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Psalmist wants us to pay attention to God as helper and keeper. And the word keep, you'll see in this verse in this whole chapter, six times, what kind of God is God? God is a God who is not one who slumbers so the so the first fullness of it, three and four together, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You'll see a pattern where each verse ends with the word, and it starts the next verse with that same word. So here slumber, slumber. Now, let's just be honest, confession time. how many of you love naps just? No? How many of you love sleep? How many of you, if you don't have, need sleep, you don't have to sleep? Like, I would rather not sleep. Like, okay. oh, good. Okay, not one person. Yeah, sleep is good. Sleep is our friend. Sleep, sleep. A third of our lives we sleep. Um, and so the first reason why God is this helper and protector and keeper who watches over us is the uniqueness of this God is our God doesn't sleep. Now, some of you are not going, wow, that's amazing. That's mind-blowing. no. But it's actually kind of unique, especially in this time. Um, strangely, in the time of Palestine, Israel, 2,000 years ago, and even now, if you go to Asia, all these gods, they are known to be sleepers. Can you imagine that? So it's like you're praying, Imagine you have a god, and I wonder if god is listening to me now. I wonder if he's awake. And so, so historians tell us one god actually slept and so he would punish humans if they ever woke him up by starvation. So in Elijah, in Old Testament, First Kings, Elijah is battling the prophets of Baal to see which one is a true God. And the prophets of Baal are dancing, cutting themselves, singing loud. And what does Elijah say? Elijah is kind of funny. He says, hey, get, you talk a little bit louder. Your God, maybe he's uh, relieving himself in the bathroom. Or maybe he's like traveling and then... Or maybe he's sleeping. Maybe speak a little louder. And they didn't, they didn't respond to that, like, like, strangely. Because they believe sometimes their idols and their gods are fast asleep. Uh, I watched a movie called 13 Lives this past week. It's a true story in Thailand. A Soccer team, 13 boys, 12 boys and a coach. They go into a cave. And the rains come and they're trapped. It was big news. They were there for weeks hidden in a dark cave, and they had to scuba into, splunk into this cave and save them. And I think it was about, just about a month they were in there. Can you imagine that? And so the story, I made this highlight in the movie. It wasn't a religious film, but they were in a mountain called the Great Cave of the Sleeping Lady. So there was actually a statue of a goddess sleeping, and you don't want to bother her. And so some of the locals said the goddess was angered and disturbed and let these boys get trapped. So this is the superstition, the, the 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 ideas that a lot of people had about gods. So when you contrast this to our God, God who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Our God has our attention. Twenty-four-seven. Our God will never. Oops, I wasn't there. I missed your call. Oops, I forgot to pick you up at school. That that happened once. We we're just talking about that this week. Oops, you know, I my phone was turned off, and you know the phone was not on. This is our God, and so how refreshing for Israel to hear that this God is awake. He's listening. And so those weary and in need of help, take heart, be encouraged, because the Lord, your God, doesn't get tired. He is almighty. He is strong enough. The only times we read that God rested was on creation, right? And on the seventh day, he rested. But you know what that word rested in Hebrew can also be translated? He didn't rest because he worked so hard to make the world. He made a great world. He rested because the word could be translated, he ceased. He stopped. On the seventh day, he, that was a day he said, it's finished. And he said, it's very good. And so God doesn't rest because he's tired. Isaiah says, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. So whatever challenges we have, what can we not bring to the Lord? No wonder how weary we are, God is not the same way. You get cranky, I get cranky, God never gets cranky because he's tired. And I thanks be to God for that. That God who watches over us is the helper and the keeper because our God doesn't sleep. So he goes on, Isaiah, in Psalm twenty let's read this together. Here we go. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. This past week, as we were working, I was watching Jack and Ethan and, and Christian and Ethan, the other Ethan. They're shoveling snow, uh, sand and we're in this hot baking sun. And I was like, man, if we had no shade and we were here for five hours, right, like we would be, we would be marshmallows. We would be raisins. It's, it's the UV. UV index was high. And so when you're in that kind of environment without a shelter that's what kills you. you. You are just, you're doomed without any shelter. And so this verse is saying, God, who is your helper and keeper, he's like your shade on your right hand. And so I was wondering, that, that sounds really interesting. What, what is this big deal with the shade? In the old days, what did people carry, soldiers carry? They carried a sword in their right hand. What did they carry in their left hand? A shield. So what was insightful in one of the commentaries was, because of the shield, they have shade to protect them on their left side. Their right side is always exposed to attacks, to the sun. So this is really cool. For those of you who love Top Gun and who like just man stuff, how do you protect the right side? So fellow soldiers would rely on their friends to be that shade. And they would cover one another on their right side. Hence the term, you are my right-hand man. Will you be my right-hand man? And so that's how they protected each other. What is the psalmist saying? Your right-hand man, your helper, your friend who protects you on your vulnerable weak side is the Lord God Israel god is a god who knows our weaknesses who protects us and shields us and so the commentator tucker he writes that well what's this thing about the sun and the moon moon doesn't get us burnt well it's not literal they're being symbolic day and night the lord god will be your shield on your right hand side god is always there to protect us and so that takes us to I feel like if we're watching a fireworks, Psalm 121 is fireworks. Did you ever go to Disney World or Disneyland at the end, they do the fireworks? And then the finale at the end is like, everything goes off. Like Psalm 121 is like that. In the last two verses, it says, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord will keep you from evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. And for the time forth and forevermore. How many times have you heard the word keep? Six times. It's like an explosion that the psalmist is singing. Remember who your keeper is. The Lord keeps you. The Lord, so the, it could be translated, the Lord guards you. The Lord watches over you. The Lord treasures you. The Lord keeps you. That's the same word that's used over and over and over again. God is your keeper. And I think we just need to take a step back and to realize you feel sometimes vulnerable, you're stressed, you're afraid because you feel alone. But what if you could just take a moment to say, I am not alone. God is my keeper in life and in death. I am not alone. And that's what the psalmist finds his confidence in. We have this mindset that we're alone. So I have three takeaways, and these are, these are quick. That's Psalm 121. It's one of my favorite psalms. It's such a beautiful psalm. It's a psalm of encouragement, especially as we start a new school year, as we start a new job, as we're facing new challenges, health challenges, students, children, parents, teachers. The Lord is our helper and keeper. We need to remember that three implications I want to just share. First, if God is our helper and keeper, this is such a thought that we need to have. The times that you find a crisis and we say, God, why is this happening? I want to reverse that a little bit. What are are all the times that God has protected me from harm that I don't even know about? What are all the things that There's probably infinite number of things when I go to heaven that I may discover I never had to encounter because God has already shielded me. How many times did 9-11 happen to our nation? Just once. And no matter what you say about George W. Bush, after that, we locked down. We got protected. Obama took over. Trump took over. Thanks be to God, we don't know about terrorist attacks because our government had protected us. And so all the times we focus on, will this happen? We will never know, especially with the top secrecy of U.S. government, what what, all the things they protected us from. And I think about that with God. So I want to show you a cartoon. So, hey, so there's a cartoon. This is an old cartoon. Uh, I always love this. It's, God, please protect me. So he's praying. And then he gets hit by a rock. Ow. So he's angry. Why, God, why? And then he looks up, and he is embarrassed, and he is shocked. Why? Because there's Jesus blocking and protecting all these other things. He's our keeper. And then he says, I'm sorry, did I miss one? Are you all right? Now, theologically, I don't like that part because I don't think Jesus makes a mistake and goes, oops. I think theologically, when things happen that are bad for whatever reason we could trust God that he's allowing it for some reason. And I'm not going to water it down saying it's good. It it promises it's good. But the point of this is how many things has God already protected us that we will never know about? And this is why we live in gratitude and worship. We don't know. We only see the specks that come. And so god is our protector means there are so many times we will never we we've been shielded and we just never know so we say thank you god second implication when you have a relationship with god peace is available anywhere because god is with you it's not the location the psalmist is journeying through mountains he is not afraid not because he's in a safe place he's in the middle of a wilderness with mountains on his side that doesn't determine your security God, who is our helper, he goes with us. He is our security. Let me illustrate that in this way. Our worth and our identity in God is what keeps us in his fold. He claimed us. He loves us. It is not the environment. And so a lot of us, we want to stay safe. But guys, you know, we're in America and anything could happen. We see that in the news. What keeps us, no matter where we are, Is that God goes with us. And so I want to illustrate this in a weird way. Hopefully it's not a stretch. So this man, this man, um, his name is Joshua Bell. Uh, He did an experiment. He played violin in a New York City subway for 45 minutes. And uh, he was busking. Busking is you're playing, you get money. Guess how much he made in 45 minutes? $30. $30. Which isn't bad, actually. $30 is pretty good. But he made $30. No one knew this, but Joshua Bell is one of the best musicians in the world. He played an intricate piece on a violin that's worth $3.5 million. Two days before he played here, he played in a theater in Boston, and the average seat price was $100. And the point of this was, experiment was, will people recognize and see if it's in a different environment? Same music, same violin, same player, and only a handful came by and gave them 30 bucks. The point of this experiment they're saying is, your worth doesn't change. The environment may change you, but if you determine your worth by your environment's response to you, you're going to think you're a failure. He knows he's Joshua Bell. He doesn't let this dictate him. For me, I would say our worth, no matter what goes on around us, no matter what environment says of us, no matter what the world thinks you are, that doesn't define us. The Lord who is the helper, the keeper, who has called us his son and his daughter in Christ Jesus. This is the valuable identity that goes with us this is an unreliable way of measuring your worth. Finding yourself in God is valuable. It is the source of who your true identity is. And so this man, um, I, th- I think one person they said in 45 minutes recognized him and gave him $20. That was nice. They took that out. So he actually made 30 So finally... Um, And this is it, we'll just end with this. The same God who is our keeper is the same one who completed the work and said, it is finished. So the God doesn't rest, but there was one time that our God did rest. In the same way, when God said at the end of the creation, he said, it is finished. God came back to earth and said, it is finished, and he rested. The reason he rested was because he died. Jesus Christ hung on the cross and took his final breath and said, it is finished. And the only time this almighty God rested and ceased was because he died and took away our sins and destroyed the powers of hell once and for all. The same God of the Old Testament and the New Testament is the same God. Isaiah 43 says, but now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear. Why? For I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. A few hundred years later, Jesus says this. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Why? The shepherd knows the name of our sheep. It's the same keeper. Christ has made a way for us, you and me, to be in this family of a God who is the helper and the keeper. So I want to encourage us as we start this new season of school and life or whatever trials you're facing. And you are not alone. And you have a helper available to you through Jesus Christ. And so we can be courageous for God keeps your coming and going. We can be faithful because God will not let your foot slip if you walk in his steps. We can be brave because God does not sleep. And we could be bold. Because God will provide a shield for you in the most vulnerable areas of your life. He is the Lord, the helper.